Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. York City, South Seaport, Pier 17. It's going to be hot in the city today. 95 degrees. And I tell you what, the L.A. Clippers is hot, too, because they was dropping it like it was hot yesterday. <laughs> as they knocked off the Phoenix Suns. Hey, welcome. Good morning. Tuesday morning. Welcome to Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin. I'm Brian Custer in for Zubin. And how about the Los Angeles Clippers facing uh, elimination, uh, go into the Valley of the Sun, and not only beat the Phoenix Suns, but took it right to them. And I, you could tell right, right away, Key, that the Clippers came to play. I mean, their energy – Uh, especially in that first half. And listen, we've said a lot, and Paul George gets a lot of talk during the postseason, but this was a magnificent performance by Paul George. A career-high 41, and he only had 11 at the half and then stepped it up in that second half and pumped up, what, 30 points? Mm -hmm. Uh, The role players were great. And all of a sudden, for Phoenix, who obviously has control of this series, but considering Paul – Chris Paul aside, a young team, you want to give them doubt. And now all of a sudden you're going back to L.A. and you've given them a sense of doubt. But, hey, I know we, we say a lot about Paul George. He missed a couple of free throws. Um, it wasn't Nick Anderson-like. But this was a virtuoso performance by him. Uh, this is what you want to see out of playoff P, as he's named himself. Well, I think when you, when you look at it, Brian, he certainly – played a significant role in the second half for them. But in the first half, you got to take your hat off, as you mentioned before, to the role players. When you got Reggie Jackson and Marquise Morris, uh, Marcus Morris, uh, you know, putting up buckets and scoring in double-digit fashion. Uh, that's, that's huge for them. And then Boogie Cousins yeah. chipped in, which was a surprise to me that you look up, and I had to go back in my mind to think he hadn't really played in the playoffs right. much. I mean, when you, when you go back and you think about it, to have a career high in the playoffs and points for once upon a time a, a rising star in the NBA to only have 15 career high points in the playoffs, I'm like, well, like Sacramento, yeah. what about New Orleans? I guess not. Right. You know, the Lakers, I guess not. You know, so I'm thinking in my mind, but whenever you have your role players, and, and I don't even want to call them role players, but guys that don't necessarily get the shine that the frontline guys get step up, this is the type of performance you have as a team because what you do is you build that confidence. And I think from the Clippers' standpoint, going on the road, they've played well on the road throughout the playoffs. They've got a hold serve at home mm-hmm. when they go back to L.A. That, that's going to be the important thing for them because they lose at home. They don't necessarily lose on the road. It's, it's for whatever reason the Staples Center has not been kind to them but when you look at it, Paul George, 41 points, as you said, 13 boards, five assists, stepped up in particular in the third quarter. Yep. Uh, that was huge, scoring 20 points again in the second half. Of course, this, this is uh, time for Straight Talk. It's brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Uh, the one thing I am impressed with with L.A. is Ty Lue, mm-hmm. his record facing elimination, 10-2. and two. In an elimination games, that's the best in NBA history for a coach facing uh, elimination, especially with t- at least ten games. I know people in Philadelphia are like, "Yo, Doc, can you <laughs> can you get your record better uh, facing elimination?" But I love the adjustments. You know, you, considering they're down two starters, 
No yeah. Kawhi. Zubak couldn't play because now all of a sudden he's got a messed up knee. And yet these guys go in there and you, and you hit it with role players. And my man, I can't say enough about Paul George, but my man Bobby Schmurda. My man Bobby Schmurda is playing for the Clippers. And I know folks, brothers know who I'm talking about, as you, <laughs> as you pointed out, Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson has been phenomenal for the Clippers, even in this postseason. If you look at it, you know, this, is, this was his ninth 20-point game so far in the postseason. He only had seven in the regular season. But yet, it seems like every game, he's giving you 20 to 25 every night. And I'm sure people in Detroit were like, man, if we, had, this guy? This guy? If we had this guy who, who's hooping like this. But I tell you what, he's been great for the Clippers, man. He, he has, and, and I think that that is the thing with Ty Lue coaching. There is no LeBron James. There's no more – oh, you only are a successful coach because of LeBron James. So he's obviously showing that his adjustments, the things that he's capable of doing as a coach, you know, and then getting the backing from guys like Reggie Jackson and Morris. And and when you have that type of presence on your team, they feel you. It's a sense of calm. It's not a sense of of panic or angry. It's just we could somehow figure out how to ride the ship and do it right. And then the guys that are that are not used to doing these things, as I said before, have the confidence now that I'm capable of doing this. It, because really it's Kawhi yeah. and then it's Paul George. Now I get to touch the basketball. Right. There is no Kawhi no more. So now I get the opportunity. We can't just depend on Paul George to fill up the bucket. We've got to not only on the front end, on the offensive side, but on the defensive end, we've got to figure out how to slow them down as well. So it, it was a collective group, a big effort all the way around. And now they go back to L.A. And, again, Ty Lue can't say enough about the way that he's coached, the, the adjustments. Every, every single time he said he's 10-2 and two when facing elimination. All of that is adjustments. Yep. That's all that is. If you go through this entire playoff stretch with them, they're down 2-0. All of a sudden, there's an adjustment made, whether it's the way the rotation goes or whether it's in-game adjustments or post-game adjustments for the next game. That's, that's, that's the type of coach – and when we saw the other day, them mention him in the same breath as Bill Belichick. When you think about Bill Belichick, what, is he, what do most people talk about? Adjustments. His adjustments. Yep. The things that he can adjust to, not only on the fly, but after the game, hey, this is what we got to do the next game out. We're only thinking about the next game. And I think that's the same way Ty Lue approaches things. And it's funny because when Ty Lue made the statement that when they were down three games to one, he said, listen, it's doable. It's, and you know, you know, we are, even brothers was like, <laughs> he gave him the lips, man. And you know what? He says it. I'm not all about, t- I don't tell these guys, don't think about a game. Think about a quarter. Yeah. Let's just win the quarter. And if we win more quarters than them, everything's going to take care of itself. You talked about those role players, you know, Jeff Van Gundy, of course, uh, the ESPN NBA analyst who was calling the game. That was the thing that he was impressed most about was the role players uh, for the Clippers. He played eight right. guys tonight and he, played some like guys like Cousins who hasn't gotten a chance to play much and he responded. I thought Nicholas Batum, even though he didn't put up big numbers, uh, was a great connector on the floor during tough times. He plays with great poise. I just, and I think Reggie Jackson, I, I he is a special offensive talent. He can finish at the basket and he can shoot the long range three. I, I just think this guy for whatever reasons earlier in the year he did he, he was out of the rotation some health wise, but he has put it all together 
here in the playoffs. That's the Straight Talk. It's brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. And it goes exactly what you talked about, Key. Ty Lue having a, a finger and his pulse on his team. He knows what his team needs. And he looks over at Reggie. He looks over at Boogie Cousins. Going to need you tonight. May not have played in a couple of games, but going to need you tonight. And they delivered. Well, you, you mentioned, you hear Jeff Van Dunny right there talk about the poise. And I think in any situation in professional sports, you look to your leader and you react the way your leader reacts. If your leader, who's the head coach, is over there in a panic mode, then a sense of panic sets in for you. That's why a lot of coaches like to keep order. Everything, yeah. you know, don't panic in situations. Don't worry about it. Ty Lue's not on the hot seat. Hot seat coaches are the ones that you see stressed out, sweating and panicking. A guy that knows, okay, I could just keep everybody under control, you could think a whole lot better. When you think about, and you've seen it, when – Certain things happen in certain communities, and the fire department is taking their time, and everybody's panicking. And all of a sudden, the ambulance guy, he's just walking, paramedic walking along, mm-hmm. taking his time right. because he's trained not to panic in yeah. those situations to get the job done. And I think you could apply that to a coach like Ty Lu. I'm not going to panic. I'm just, we're good. Now, me, on the other hand, I'm panicking right now because <laughs> I don't want the Clippers to finish. I don't need them. No. I understand this L.A., but I don't need them because I'm a Laker. Period. <laughs> hey, phrasing. <laughs> you heard uh, Jeff Van Gundy mention uh, poise of the Clippers, the role players, but it's the poise of someone else that's really uh, having the biggest impact. And we're going to discuss that. That's next. It is KJZ here on ESPN Radio and ESPN News. The Los Angeles Clippers and their head coach Ty Lue have been in this position before. He has a blueprint on how to stave off elimination. Oh, what a surprise. Reggie Jackson goes for 20 again, ninth time after doing that only seven times in the regular season. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. chance to do something the franchise has not done in 28 years. We just have to have a great deal of balance. We know we're going to see a desperate team. Jackson goes hard and throws it down. A near perfect start for the Clippers. Boys right now. We just got to stay the course. Three-pointer. Bang! George on the pop. Nails a three. Oh, George rolling. Throws it down with authority. That's just who we are. Fight. We scrappy. The most important thing. We do it together. Keyshawn, Jay Will, Zubin, Brian Custer in for Zubin. And, of course, Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin is presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests appear on that uh, Goodyear hotline. And, you know, Phoenix Suns uh, take a loss to the Clippers. Clippers win it last night, 116 
uh, to 102 series now 3-2 and heading back uh, to LA. And listen, you know, Ty Lewis said, we've been here before. It is doable to come back from three games to one. I guess my question to you, Key, is for those out there who may be LA fans, um, do they believe? Is this a series you think the Clippers can pull out? No Kawhi. Zubak now has got the knee, so he's out. Is this a series you think that Ty Lue can work that magic again and pull out a victory? I think it is because in this situation, Brian, you're now putting the stress on the Phoenix Suns. Mm -hmm. Even though the Suns have done well in L.A. and the Clippers hadn't played well at home during the playoffs, this is a test of experience, a test of will, Mm. all of the little things that you hear coaches and announcers talk about. When you think about it, Ty Lue's been there before, so he could continue to send that message and they could continue to believe. And in terms of the fan base, they 3-2. Yeah. They was ready to go home. You know, they were thinking, oh, we're going home. Now, all of a sudden, you're 3-2. You're coming home. It's like, yeah, now the noise at the stadium could get jacked up. All of those sort of things can take place. I think they can. I don't want them to. <laughs> But I think they can because you're applying pressure to the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. How will Devin Booker respond under this pressure? Does doubt set in for Chris Paul, who's been here before? Remember Chris Paul mentioned the other day, I don't want to yeah. talk about yes. 3-1. That's a great question. So That's, in the back of yep. his mind, this is now coming into in, in, in fruition. Oh, my God. I've been here before. I don't want this happening again. So it's, it's all those little things play key factors in – the run that the Clippers could potentially make. And the role players see this. They understand that, that they could now step up again like they did yet last night. Yeah, all you want to do is give a team some doubt. And yeah. I think from Phoenix, and because they're young, Chris Paul aside, now all of a sudden they've got <clears throat> doubt. And those role players, as you saw, for Phoenix, didn't play very well yesterday. Well, that's why I mentioned experience. Yeah. It, 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 the Clippers have playoff experience. The coach. This is where coaching comes into this play. Where, and and Monty, Monty has coaching experience as well, but not as a head coach, so to speak. You, you understand what yeah. I'm saying? Not as a head coach, so to speak, where Ty Lue has been there as a head coach and understands, okay, I won in Cleveland at 3-1. I've been in these situations in these tight playoff games. How do I continue to make these adjustments and get my teammate or my team to buy into what it is that I'm selling? Paul George uh, talked uh, with our, our Rachel Nichols uh, after the game, and one of the things he talked about was what makes Ty Lue so good in these situations. I mean, he allows us to come out here and just play freely. Um, it's no pressure. He doesn't put the, the extra pressure. We know what we're facing and, uh, and what we're up against, um, and that's all that needs to be said. That's how T. T. Lou is, as cool as they come. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been saying, you know, we, we take after his identity. We come out, we stay poised, and uh, we just get the job done. There it is. You know, as you talked about, keeps everybody relaxed. Just win, every, just win a quarter is what he kept talking about. We just need to win more quarters than they do, and the rest to take care of itself. And when you look at it, it, it when you really look at the Clippers versus the Suns, you got a star in Chris Paul, but you got a star in Paul George. And then everybody else, for the most part, are pretty – they cancel each other. Now are my second unit guys better than your second unit guys? Is my rotation better than your rotation? That's where it all kind of boils down mm. to. Because you got two stars. Right. You got Chris Paul 
and you got Paul George. Chris Paul's not going to score 41 points. At least I don't think he is because he's not – the ball's not in his hands like that. I mean, it is in his hands, yeah. but he likes to facilitate opposed to Paul George. When he gets it in his hands, it's about getting to the bucket. It's about scoring. It's not about facilitating. So you, you look at that as a coach and you say to yourself, we got our gun over here. If we can slow down, if we can slow down Chris Paul and make those other guys take those shots, can DeAndre Ayton kind of step up, continue to step up again as a young player? I mean, we saw him last night. He had some bright moments as well as Booker, but not enough. Nah. Not nearly enough. And you, and you would think that, that last night was a game that Aiton would dominate. No Zubak and only had 10 points. Yeah. On 5 and 9 from the field. You would have thought that this was a game where he would just go bonkers, but he didn't. But that's that experience and that's that youth that we saw last night. When you, have, when you don't have the experience and you're still young, you're still trying to figure it all out. What, what is this? That's that doubt that now sets in. Yeah. Now you, you've had a mishap. Now you got to go to L.A. Now you're thinking, now all of a sudden in game six, oh, my God, we got to either close it out or now they're coming back to Phoenix where they the Clippers feel good because they've won there before, and now they feel good about going back to Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. The, cra- the crazy thing about, about all of this is, though, um, one of the things uh, me and my boy were talking about last night which one of these brothers do you think is more important right about now? Is it Paul George or is it Chris Paul, considering that this thing is tight now? Who's more important? I, I, think, it's, I think it's Paul George. And yeah. the reason it's Paul George is because we've seen Phoenix without Chris Paul. And they won two games. And they won two games. He's and then been when back. He came back they in what, the third one and game, two? When he came back in the third game, things the flow of the game was a little bit slower. Yep. The, the speed of it, the transition wasn't nearly as fast as it should have been. And then, obviously, in game four, uh, uh, things changed a little bit. But I would say because we've seen them go up 2-0 without Chris Paul, without having Paul George on the floor, the Clippers would be a totally different team. Yeah. I mean, they just would be. By the way, Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, it is brought to you by Mako. You need a paint job on your car when life throws you, uh-oh, just say, better get Mako. Head to Mako.com and do it today. You know, Scottie Pippen didn't get that last shot, uh, but he is certainly getting the last word. Scottie is shooting fire everywhere. We're going to discuss that, but Key has this. Do you have a motorcycle, ATV, or even a truck that's sitting in your garage that you've been waiting to sell? With RumbleOn.com, you can easily Turn your unused vehicle into cash in minutes. RumbleOn.com will give you a cash offer for your vehicle and pick it up for free. Anytime, anywhere, they can even finance your next Harley, Polaris, Can-Am, Yamaha, or even more if you are just looking to upgrade. See what RumbleOn can do for you by visiting RumbleOn.com. Fast bikes and faster cash. Hey, it's Greeny, and the Clippers have life. Staying alive with a road win in Game 5. Do they now have a real chance to come all the way back in the series and make the finals? We'll talk about it. It's Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. 
Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. What up was uh, Scotty Pippen. Um, you heard his voice on the Dan Patrick Show. Uh, let me tell you something. Scotty Pippen is uh, promoting a book, uh, <laughs> some liquor. <laughs> he might have had a couple of sips of that liquor. Was, <laughs> I knew he was about to say that, though. <laughs> he had a, I, I knew he was about to say he must be drinking that hey, liquor. Hey, it's brown liquor, too. You know how you get some of that brown liquor and you just start talking? Uh, so you, you heard uh, some of the things that he was talking about. Now, listen, he sat down uh, with GQ and that article was published last week. He was asked why he refused to go into that playoff game back in 1994 against the Knicks after Phil Jackson had called a play for Tony Kukoc, right, mm-hmm. uh, to take the final shot. So I want you to take a look at what Scottie Pippen said in the article. Um, he said, quote, I don't think it's a mystery. You need to read between the fine lines. It was my first year playing without Michael Jordan. Why wouldn't I be taking the last shot? I have been through all the ups and downs, the battles with the Pistons, and now you're going to insult me and tell, tell me uh, to take me out? I thought it was pretty, a pretty low blow. Uh, I felt like it was an opportunity to give Coach a rise. It was a racial move to give him a rise. After all that I've been through with this organization, now you're going to tell me, take the ball out, throw it to Tony Coach. you're insulting me. That's how I felt. Uh, end quote. So, you know, Pippen was on the Dan Patrick show, right? And he was asked about where he at, he made the comment a racial um, and to, to give him a rise. And so listen to Scottie Pippen's uh, answer to that. But if you talk to Phil about this, because you, by saying a racial move, then you're you're calling Phil a racist. I don't got a problem with that. Do you think Phil was or is? Oh, yeah. I mean, do you remember Phil Jackson left the Lakers, went, wrote a book on Kobe Bryant, and then came back and coached him? I mean, who would do that? You name someone in professional sports that would do that, you know? I think he tried to expose Kobe in a way that he shouldn't have. You're the head coach, and you're the guy that sits in the locker room and tells the players – this is a circle, and everything stays within the circle because that's what team is about. But you as the head coach, open it up 
And now you go out and you try to belittle, at that time, probably one of the greatest players in the game. So that was Scotty's take on that. Now, you know, I, I know Dan Patrick in that interview said, you know, do you think Phil was being disloyal, not racist? Um, and, you know, Pippen basically responded back to him. He's like, hey, that's how you see it. Uh, I see it differently. What, what did you think about when you, when you saw and heard all of that? Because it's a lot. It's a lot. <clears throat> what I would say, though, Brian, is, is I wasn't inside those locker rooms. Right. I wasn't around the Bulls. Yeah. Scotty was. Mm-hmm. Scotty see it different than probably other people every single day. When you put yourself out there, when you call somebody a racist, you better be sure. Yeah. Because that's not cool. Right. If, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like you, you can't label somebody something unless you're sure that that's the case. Now, I don't know him as a racist. I only to, know to him as Phil. Phil. I mm-hmm. only know him as a coach. Right. As a coach. And yeah. Whatever. Scotty referenced the book Kobe Bryant talked about in Phil's book. He wrote, I, I don't know what that yeah. is about because I didn't read the book. Mm-hmm. So I really don't care. I think what Scotty is doing right now, though, is he's opening himself up to a lot of criticism about how he felt at that time about not only the Bulls, but about Michael Jordan, about Phil. And we already know how he felt about Tony Kukoc. Right. You played with him. Not only did you play with him, they went over and got him from overseas to bring him as part of the team and paid him more money than they paid you. So you didn't like him coming into the door. Then, on top of that, you already are looking at him kind of side-eye every single day you walk in the building because you feel threatened as the second guy to Michael Jordan at that moment and in that time that Tony Kukoc is getting ready to take over as the second guy. Mm -hmm. So you already feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. Then you have an opportunity with about a minute something to go in the game to take a couple shots where you missed them. So it wasn't like you didn't get the plays drawn up right. for you. It's you just get, like you didn't get opportunities. You, you had got, a couple you in the had last minute. A couple opportunities late in the game yep. to finish the deal. It didn't go that way. You wanted to finish the deal with the last opportunity. So I also feel I also understand where Scotty is coming from. Go down with me. Yeah. They tried to earlier. It didn't work. So I'm thinking as an outsider that Phil and his staff sat and said, let's use Scotty as a decoy and allow Kukoc to just get Scott free. We give it to him, he knock it down, we go home. Yep. Scotty didn't see it that way. Scotty like, y'all got to live and die with me. Yeah. I put in all this work. But now y'all want this dude, this white dude, to right. come in here and be lifted up mm-hmm. as the savior. Oh, you the great white hope, he's the king, yeah. look. That's the way Scotty saw it. Yeah. And, you know, players in professional sports see things different yeah. because you're around it all the time. So you might feel different about those situations. So let's unpack But this. I wouldn't call somebody a racist, racist unless I knew. Yeah. And, and, and they giving me indications in, in coded language. And, and you know how it could be. Yep. They give you the coded yeah, language absolutely. and move around a certain way and say certain things that we understand. They don't understand what they're doing. You know, Phil Jackson, a couple years ago, 2016, used the word posse describing LeBron James and Maverick, Maverick Carter, Carter and, 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 and uh, Rich Paul well, and his yep. friends in Miami. He didn't see that as 
belittling or racist or whatever, a demeaning comment, but a lot of us did. Absolutely. And so when you start looking at things at the surface, you go, okay. Yeah. And Scotty's been there. Yeah. I, you know, like I said, I don't know Scotty's true feelings about the way he, well, now I do, right. about the way he thought about his coach. Now I do. You thought the entire time after that moment that your coach might have had a little bit of stuff in him. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's unpack this because this is a really good, interesting conversation. Um, I think as you, hey, look, Scotty Pippen was there. Mm-hmm. So he's speaking his truth. And mm-hmm. that's, if that's how he feels, more power to him. Now, sometimes I think from the play aspect, and you know this as being a player, sometimes coaches try to be too tricky. They, they want to get cute. And outsmart the situations. I've been in those situations personally myself. When I played for the Jets, I, uh, I played for the Jets. It was 99. 99, we're in, we're in Indianapolis. And obviously, I'm the, the in terms of passing the ball and doing all You're that. You're the guy. I'm the guy. You're the guy. I'm the guy. You're right. going to throw the ball to me in the right. end. I'm the guy. We, a timeout was called. And I don't know if we called the timeout. I don't remember if we called the timeout or, or Indy called the timeout. But it was the last play of the game. And we was in the red zone. We huddled on the sideline, and the decision was made, we're going to put Keyshawn on the perimeter and draw the attention to him to open up the middle of the field. Okay, cool, no problem. I'm going to just do my job. Yeah. We attempted to throw the ball to Corbett. I didn't scream, oh, y'all only trying to rise him up because he's white. Yeah. Y'all, I got it, I understand. Y'all want me to draw all the attention. It wasn't that Bill Parcells and Charlie White and Todd Haley wanted to make Corbett the hero. They were trying to trick the Indianapolis coach mm. into believing I was going to get the football. And you know what happened? They were right. Everybody ran over to me. And Wayne was able to go right up the rail. It was a high throw. He didn't come down with it, but I got it. Mm-hmm. I, was, I got it. I wasn't ever thinking, well, they're getting ready to try to make him the hero because he's white. No, absolutely not. They outsmarted themselves in the end because the play ultimately worked, but we didn't finish the deal. Mm. Or you go to Seattle, perfect situation of rising a player the Super up. Bowl. The Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. The, the, the one play in, is the worst Give it play. to Marshawn Lynch. The, the worst play in the history of professional sports, and I don't give a damn what nobody said. Yeah. They decided that their Daryl Bevel and Pete Carroll decided we're going to throw the football rather than to give it to Marshawn Lynch, because if Marshawn scores there, he becomes the MVP. Oh, absolutely. And now you got to deal with that. Yep. And if you remember, Marshawn was giving Pete Carroll fits yes. during that time yes. period. It, it was like Pete was ready to pull his hair out. Right. So they made a decision to allow Russell Wilson to throw the ball. In my opinion as a viewer and as an analyst at that time, I felt they was trying to turn the team over and make it Russell Wilson's team. He throws a touchdown. Guess who gets the MVP? Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. So there was a decision to be made to outsmart themselves. At the same time, everybody in the stadium said they're going to get a ball to Marshawn Lynch. Lynch. So they got cute. And ultimately it cost them the Super Bowl by getting cute. And coaches do that sometimes. They outsmart themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and this could be the case in Phil Jackson. Although Tony Kukoc did hit the shot. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> it did. It it didn't feel good to Scotty. Yeah. And now this is an opportunity. I don't know how many years ago it was, but this is an opportunity now for Scotty to fire back yeah. at the coach. Yeah. And, and so there, that's one thing when you're talking about 
rising a player up. The other thing, and I think you hit on it really well. Listen, Phil Jackson, for the longest time, had that reputation of having that air of being better than thou and just saying whatever whatever the hell he wanted to say. And he's always been like that. And you hit it. When he made that that, uh, comment about a posse and when he was referring to LeBron, and and LeBron, uh, Maverick, Rich Paul, all of those guys came out. And I I even remember, and I had to even go look it up, uh, LeBron said, and this was Maverick uh, Maverick Carter, he said, it's the word posse and the characterization I take offense to. This is Maverick Carter. Uh, If he would have said LeBron and his agent, Yes. If he would have said LeBron and his business partner, yeah. uh, LeBron and his friends, that's one thing. But yet when you're young and you black and you use that word, uh, excuse me, we're grown men, end quote. And you're yeah. right. I, I, maybe Phil is, uh, has a cultural implicit bias. Maybe he is culturally insensitive. Uh, those are dog whistles and code words for us. And, and it's not necessarily racist. But maybe in I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call. I wouldn't describe the word posse as racist. What I would call it as is uninformed. Right. When you are using it in the form in which he did toward successful black businessmen, because you certainly are going to call. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, one of these actors who run around with friends all the time. You're not going to call his business partners and agents and managers, posses. Yeah. You're going to say his right. business partners. Right. You're not going to call them handlers. Right. You're not going to do those things. Yeah. It's just, it's how you describe somebody in, 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 in your choice of words. And I think Phil has made that mistake in the past and maybe he's learned from it or not. I don't know. But, you know, that just, it makes people wonder. It, it just makes people wonder. And people yeah. are going to wonder. Because when you... When you look at it, it's all about the people you surround yourself with. Who are your friends? Mm-hmm. Like, what type of friend? Yes, you may have, you may have a white friend here, a black friend there, a couple of them, a right. handful of them here and there. It's all about who your peers are, who you deal with, who yeah. you grow up with, all of those things. Yes, you may have a black coach on your staff. Doesn't make you a racist. Doesn't make you not a racist. Yeah. You it just... That's who you think yeah. is good at coaching. Absolutely. And, and so with that, Scotty, you know, Scotty felt a certain way because Scotty's seen some stuff, and he felt that way. You got to also understand Scotty's upbringing mm-hmm. and where he's from. In Arkansas. In, in Arkansas, small town. Small town mm-hmm. And certain things are said that don't go over well because of the way you were conditioned growing up. I mean, it, it's, it's a lot to peel back. In these situations, um, you know, and, and he would know firsthand because he was there. He was there. He was there. And I tell you what, he's going to be selling a book, Unguarded. Uh, I'm sure he'll sell a lot of books because uh, – yeah, He was unguardable. Yeah. Pretty, he was pretty good basketball player. <laughs> pretty good basketball player. By the way, uh, KJZ is presented by Progressive Insurance. All the guests on the Goodyear Hotline were also brought to you by California Almonds. Whether – uh, your best means being the best bingo player in the office, best volleyball player on the planet. You're going to need some help. Almonds, all your snack to keep your head in the game and your body energized. So refuel with almonds, California almonds. Own your every day, every day. It's time for A to Z, Key.
So, how about Vanderbilt? They win game one of the uh, College World Series. They're now one win away from their second straight College World Series title. How about Jack Leiter, of course, son of Al Leiter, got, uh, got an early lead. Vandy beat Mississippi State 8-2 to, eight to two in game one of the College World Series. Vandy, of course, won the title two years ago. Uh, and since then, uh, no College World Series last year because of uh, the pandemic, obviously, and trying to become the first back-to-back national champion since 2011. Um, here's Jack Leiter from Vandy talking about uh, the victory. I mean, it was it was crazy. Um, I don't think I've ever pitched in a game like this. Um, I mean, there's fans. You gotta you gotta tip your cap to the Mississippi State fans. They're they're a really good fan base, and um, they're definitely loud. Game two, by the way, is uh, tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you don't want to miss that uh, right here on ESPN. And listen, there was some mad craziness at the Euros. Both Croatia. Uh, Switzerland came back down three to one uh, to tie their games. But of course, Spain beat Croatia in extra time. But France, man, the defending World Cup champions weren't so lucky. They blew their three to one lead, lost in penalty kicks, five to four, eliminated. Um, it, it was crazy because Mappy, who one of the best players in the world, Stopped on the penalty that would have extended the shootout. Uh, take a listen to how it sounded here on ESPN. It's Mbappe to keep France in the tournament. And Mbappe is the one to falter. He's the fall guy. The walls of the French castle are crumbling down. And after a moment's hesitation to make sure that the referee was not going to intervene... It is sheer Swiss delight. So Kylian Mbappe gets stopped. Um, you know, I, looking it up, I think this is the first time in like the final 16 that France has not advanced at all. Parlez-vous Francais? Oh, man. This, I mean, people are like, oh, I cannot believe it. <laughs> um, so it got us thinking, man, when you talk about best uh, 3-1 comebacks in sports history. Um, what do you think? When you think about uh, what happened yesterday, people coming back 3-1, to one, best 3-1 to one, uh, comebacks in sports history, what comes to mind to you, Keith? The only one I could – the first one that comes to mind, obviously, is the Cleveland Golden State. Yeah. Right? That's, yeah. The, that's the one. I mean, some injuries <clears> – some injuries was there, but that is the one. For, for me, the first one I thought about, and, and listen, I'm not even a huge baseball guy, but the first one I thought about was the Chicago Cubs. Because if you remember, uh, was it 2016, I want to say, when they won the, the World Series? Okay. Um, it was their first World Series since 1908. I want to, if I'm not missing, because I'm going off the cuff here. 1908, I want to say, was their. First time they had won the World Series since because it was like ending the Billy Goat. But the only reason why I know that was because it was against the Indians. And me being from Ohio, I was like, man, I was kind of rooting for Cleveland. And they were up three games to one. And the Cubs just kept winning, kept winning. And for, for them to end that, that curse 
And to come back three games down, three games to one, to come back and win that World Series, I that mean, was the one I thought about. Dodgers-Braves a year ago. I mean, it, it, could, it could be in there. But when you talk about it just – I guess the, the Golden State-Cleveland deal – because of the magnitude of yep. what Golden State was at the time. Had the best rate. That was when they yeah, went 73 was, and 9. Yeah, 73 and 9 and, and, and all the star power and just everything about it versus LeBron James who went back to Cleveland yep. and just all of that kind of makes it in, in my, from, from my memory. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure there's something like 1965 that we're missing right. that, you know, that we don't know anything about I'm talking about since I've been able to understand sports right that that Cleveland comeback LeBron James grabbing the board I mean blocking the uh the shot uh chasing it down and basically taking it off the backboard I mean that that sort of stuff is memories and here here's to me the thing that tripped me out about that series not only did Cleveland come back and win that series three games to one it was also in that same year where Golden State had done the same thing against OKC. Yeah. They had come back from three games to one to win that series, and then all of a sudden they lose in the finals to Cleveland three games. To do you have any, uh, Evan? Do you do you know any off the top of your head? If he's if – he's and I, and yeah, I, For, for me, I think the, uh, the one where the Red Sox, when they won in, in 04, they came back from 3-0 down yeah. against – Against the Yankees. Yankees. But when they won again in 07, they were down 3-1 again to the Indians. And and uh, CC Sabathia was on that team. On That in- that Indians team was really good. Might have won the World Series then. And they blew a 3-1 lead in the ALCS to the to the Red Sox. So those two kind of stand out because the Red Sox won two straight Worlds or two World Series in, in uh, you know, four-year span and came back from down 3-0 and 3-1 in the ALCS both times. See, it, it, but but it's not the World Series, so it's a little bit different, right? It's just the playoffs. Yeah. But it's well, the, you just brought up the Dodgers against the Braves. That was the end. I, I, that was you heard World what Series. I said. Though. I was just like, eh, it's it's there, but Cleveland is the one that stands out because it was for all the money. Absolutely. Eight 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 say ESPN. Eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. We want to hear from you. Uh, what do you think was the best three one comeback? Uh, in sports. So we definitely want to hear what you guys have to say. Seth Greenberg, he's going to join us next is KJZ, ESPN Radio, ESPN app.